Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, it's summer here, at least on this side of the equator. I hope your work isn't so crazy that you don't get to take some time and do whatever it is you enjoy doing outdoors this time of year. For me, it's more swimming, taking my dog Lola for a hike in the hills, trying to avoid the rattlesnakes, uh, watching lots of swim meets and water polo games. The thing you should definitely do soon is register for the ACPLS annual meeting because you'll save $350 if you register before July 1st. There's a fantastic agenda this year. We've got sessions on marketing, sales, and leadership, along with keynotes from people like Mary Kaczynski, who will talk about how you can work with purchasing agents and become better strategic partners to your clients. On the marketing side, Hamid Ghanadan, who many of you know and is a good friend of this podcast, will be talking about his latest ideas around creating experiences as a new class of content. So you don't want to miss that. And here's a bonus. If you want to save an additional 10%, email me, chris at lifesciencemarketingradio.com. I'll send you a link where you can do that just because you listen to this show. Um, But you can check out the full agenda for the meeting at acp-ls.org. And with all of that, taken care of. Let's jump into it, shall we? My guest on this episode is Laura Brown. Laura is the CEO of Covalent Bonds. Covalent Bonds works with scientific and tech companies for free to develop a brief for their marketing program and help them select the right agencies to ensure their partnerships are as powerful and long-lasting as possible. I should also mention that Laura... uh, has been helping out a lot on the program team for the ACPLS annual meeting. And I really appreciate the huge contribution she's made for that effort. Laura, thanks for joining me on Life Science Marketing Radio again. Thanks for having me again. <laughs> Very much enjoy it. This episode's a little different than what we did before. So in the in the episode we talked about previously it was about helping companies align their budgets with their marketing strategies and focusing on outcomes and so on this episode is directed specifically at agencies but if you're an in-house marketer this should also help you understand how some agencies work and maybe help you develop better relationships with them which Mm -hmm. of course is valuable over the long haul Laura, if you're an agency, what there there are certainly challenges of working with different kinds of clients, and we're not going to talk about all of them, but um, let's talk about the challenges of just finding and um, connecting with clients. Sure. I mean, to set this in context, Chris, I used to um, head up business development at an agency, so. I know exactly what I'm talking about here. And I've got to say that business development is one of the biggest pains for agencies in the market. Now, we have the same challenges that any company have in terms of prospecting. So, you know, that thing of knocking on the door to company and hoping that they want to buy from you when you're ready to sell, the same challenge that everybody has. But we also have this 
added element that makes it really challenging in that companies don't always come to the table with a clear intention to buy. So often they use an agency selection process to determine their budget or to determine what they actually want to do. So they basically use it as a free strategy session. And then at the end, once agencies have spent a long time and, and effort on pitches or on developing the relationship, they company will turn around at the end and say, for example, we just didn't have, don't have this kind of budget. We can't do this, but thank you very much for your time. We've very much enjoyed working with you so far. At which point the agency has not had any got any money out of that at all and might have invested up to three, in some cases, six months on that agency selection process. So we have a double whammy that's you know really hard for agencies. One is finding the companies to work with in the first place, which everybody has. Um, and when we look at that, there's also the challenge that agencies are often treated with a bit of um, suspicion, I think. So it's very hard to reach marketers. They don't pick up the phone. They don't like to talk. They always feel that they're going to be sold to. So there is a real difficulty getting through to the, the people that you need to speak to. But then when you do, or you get invited to do an RFP or take part in a pitch process, there is no guarantee that this is actually real business that will result in um, revenues for you at the end anyway. So it's a very expensive time-consuming and often painful process for, for agencies to go through. Absolutely. So I understand all those cha challenges on both sides of that, but and we're going to focus on those challenges for the agencies, but just for anybody who's listening, can you briefly, and they may not have heard the other episode, which I highly recommend, but what's the disadvantage quickly or briefly to the companies that are using that process. Uh, so they, they come with an undefined plan and hope that the agency is going to drop the magic solution in front of them and then may decide that, yep, you're right, we don't have that budget. So they go away. At the minimum, they've wasted time, but probably more than that. Sure. And, and the biggest challenge that we, we see for agencies is that companies come to them with a predefined list of tactics. So they might come saying, I want to do content marketing or I want to do influencer marketing. And agencies take that at face value. So they will spend the time developing programs for companies uh, and budgets and to, only to find out if, if, if they even get appointed um, that the company becomes disillusioned because it's not generating the results that they need. So the relationship often breaks down. And that's because the companies haven't actually done the work up front to see whether this tactic is actually the right one that they need to do to achieve their objectives. And because of the way they do the agency selection process, they don't give pay the agencies the, um, the money to actually audit the strategy to make sure it is the right one. So many agencies... Basically, they pick up the mantle as soon as the company briefs them and says, OK, you've briefed us, so we deliver what you've briefed us. Um, if you paid for somebody to look at it and look at that strategy and say, this, this tactic will achieve your strategy or this tactic won't, then you're able to um, spend the time, make sure that the budget that you've allocated isn't wasted and you're not going down the line of a massive campaign that actually will never has a chance to achieve the results that you need because you've not defined what those goals are. So right. 
we really strongly recommend that before a company even begins to think about talking to an agency, that they have spent the time to ensure that they have internal alignment on the strategy. So everybody knows what they're trying to achieve, that that's been turned into KPIs that are measurable and specific so everybody has the same goals and that you then and only then you start to match the tactics to those KPIs. Then you work out what budget you've got and then you put the measurements in place to ensure that you can actually check that those are actually being achieved. One of the biggest reasons why a relationship between an agency and a company break down is because one, they're not all working to the same goal. But the second one is that the company has no way of actually measuring the outcomes. So it becomes a subjective thing that somebody might feel that the relationship's not working or they might feel that the agency's not generating the results. But unless you've got those clear KPIs and measurement systems in place, how do you know? You're not choosing an agency based on how they make you feel. You should be choosing an agency on what kind of results they're going to get. And you can't possibly measure that without those KPIs and that strategy in place up front. Now we're back to the agency side. So if a client comes to an agency without having done their homework, you've you've sort of described it. This, this might look like a wide open opportunity for the agency, but um, – it might go down a different path where you spend three to six months developing, you know, all your strategy ideas, giving those away basically for free. Mm-hmm. And then having the client come back to you and say, we don't have the budget to do that. Um, thank you very much. Exactly. Exactly. What is the alternative? What do you recommend an agency does if a client comes to them with that without having done their homework? So, I mean, there's two options. Well, actually, there's three options. One that you just take them on fa- at face value and think that the company, you know, work with the company during your business development process to identify all of these KPIs and do all of that stuff. Now, that will build a strong relationship between you, but it will take a lot longer and it will cost you a lot more money in terms of the, the company is not paying the agency to do that work. So you are basically giving them all of that strategy for free to then come out with a program that, you know, is one that you want to deliver. Now, you can't guarantee at the end of this that they're going to buy from you. So this is a like a roll of the dice for an agency. The other options are that you go to them and this is a very strong, um, a strong selling point for an agency and say, look, guys, you've not done the work properly. You could be wasting your budget if you carry on um, with the selection process the way you're going. You have to do your strategy. You have to do the KPIs. You have to put the foundations for measurement in place. You have to know what those budgets are. And if you tell them that, you can then potentially sell them that strategy piece as a discrete project. Now, the challenge that you have here is that all of the agencies, if they're worth their salt, are going to try and do that and try and sell it. And as a company, that makes it really hard. Which agency do they choose to then help them do that strategy piece? And does that then, uh, it it sort of makes it harder to do the agency selection for the companies, but it also makes it harder for the agencies on the other side of it. The the third option is to use an external broker, like Carvena Bonds, for example, who can go in and do that work, do the foundation work, so that the company are in the best position to do the right tactics and choose the right agencies to deliver what they want and then the 
agencies can know that when this opportunity comes to them, that all of the due diligence has been done, that they know what the strategy is, that they know that it's a real budget that the CFO has signed off against and that they can then make the right recommendations within that budget. But they also know, and this is a key thing that I've not mentioned, is that the company has an intention to buy within three months. Now, a lot of companies go to market to order agencies, start the discussions, and they have no defined point at which they want to work with them. They're just testing the market to see, and they think maybe in a year we might buy from an agency. Now, companies won't tell agencies that because they wouldn't engage in conversation. So agencies could spend a lot of time on that opportunity when actually it might not be one, a real opportunity until you know, a year down the line, by which time the strategy work that's been done be becomes obsolete and needs to be done again. So one of the things, or the three things you've got to ensure as an agency before you start working with them is, has this company done the strategy? Do they have a realistic budget that has been signed off and committed internally? And do they have commitment to buy within three months? If not, I suggest you don't start going down the road of the um, agency selection process because it's just too risky for you. And from a company, that will then stop them having access to a lot of these agencies. I, I was talking to one of the, the top agencies in the industry, or I, I should say one of the most well-known agencies in our industry. And they said they wouldn't have a conversation with a company if they couldn't tell them straight away what their budget was and that they were going to buy within a, a certain amount of time. So you're missing out on the agencies that are very good just by not doing that in the first place. Yeah. So I'm, of course, my, my wheels are spinning here. I'm thinking, um, many agencies don't, are probably afraid to give up that opportunity, mm -hmm. right? Because they, if that conversation shuts down the client, um, they know they're walking out the door and maybe they don't have an alternative. Mm -hmm. However, being upfront in that way and with guidance and so on would be a huge trust builder, I would think. Like Exactly. And that, that's a very, very good point, Chris. We get a lot of companies that say they would be seriously impressed with a company that says, look, you've not done the work. This would be a waste of time and money for you right now. They really see that as a foundation of a great partnership. You know, you're not buying somebody that just, you know, agrees with you. You're, you want to buy somebody that actually challenges you and gives you the right advice. And you need to show that from the outset. So don't just be a yes man as an agency really challenge the client. Yeah, it takes courage to do that. But I think most people would be impressed to say, you know, these guys aren't immediately after our money. They want to do the right thing. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, even if you're not one of the better known agencies and you haven't done that, I can imagine that maybe for the more well-known agencies, the budget won't be right anyway. So now you're looking at companies who might have the budget to work with you, but you have to be uh, willing to say, these are the conditions under which we accept clients. And exactly. I, I can give you a great example. I was working on an agency selection last month and the company had been talking to agencies on and off for two years. And there was one agency that they were especially keen to work with. Now, this agency is a very well-known one, a, a large, very effective agency. Now, they had been having, they, they reckon they'd had five meetings by the point I got involved. And the agency had not been able to get a budget out of the client. Now, that was simply because the client had no idea what budget 
would be and have just got a bit scared and just kept ignoring answering that question. So they reckon the agency spent five um, face-to-face meetings and then they'd had phone meetings and all the email dialogue. And when you think about that in terms of money and time, that's a huge cost to an agency. Uh, after we'd done a workshop to work out what the budget was, we were able to identify that this client only had $25,000. Now, that is nothing. And I was able yeah. to go to the agency and say to them, this is $25,000. You know, you shouldn't be doing this. And they said, absolutely, we're not having any more conversations and backed out. Their entry level was $15,000 a month that they would work on on a retainer with a company. But they hadn't been able to find that out. And by doing this process, the agencies were able to say, this isn't for us, we walk away. But it also enabled the company to then go, okay, so realistically, we can't talk to these kind of agencies. We need to find somebody that is maybe a consultant rather than this and find it. And they were able to find the right partner. And they signed the contract today and have started their long-term relationship. But this had been going on for two years before we got involved and were able to pin it down. And it all hung on that budget discussion. Yeah, and wasted time again for everybody. Yeah, exactly. We did an analysis actually for companies of how much time is spent on on an agency selection typically and what that translates to in terms of um, money. And we're looking at between $15,000 and $50,000 is spent on an effective agency selection. And that includes developing your budget, meeting with all the agencies, writing your RFP, et cetera, doing all of that stuff, getting everybody involved. That is a significant um, investment that you can't risk it going wrong. So you need to get it right, make it as effective as possible to be able to get the outcomes that you need. Yeah, let's 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 chase that idea for a minute um, about why companies, I, I understand, you know, you're afraid to say this is our budget. Because um, in my experience, your thought is they're just going to take it all, right? And you're hoping maybe you can get it for less, I guess. Or that, you know, they're going to propose something that's just beyond it. Because I've seen that too, because they know once you get into it, you're going to think, oh, yeah, we'll spend that little bit more or something. But I'm trying to get to the idea or get your thought around making companies comfortable with saying this is our budget and i think what you're going to say is if you know your plan Mm -hmm. you you will have that and you'll be comfortable say this is what we're willing to spend and now you move the conversation to a different place you don't have you're not committing to spend that with anybody you're saying what can you do for this amount of money right exactly and i just want to pick up on the one of the first points that you made in you talk about scope creep and budget creep, which is agencies will agree on something and then suddenly it ends up costing more. Now, that invariably happens because of how the selection has happened in the first place, that you are essentially selecting on price by going to them without the budget in the first place. So the agencies have no guide. They've plucked a figure. I mean, that's not being fair. They've not plugged a figure from the air, but they've they've worked out you know, a, a figure that they think they can deliver within that will hopefully undercut, undercut all their competitors that they can still be profitable on. And they've presented that to you and then you buy that. But because you haven't necessarily done all the strategy work that comes up front, once you get into the relationship with the agencies, they realize that what they were briefed was actually 
essentially a lot of times incorrect and needs a lot of work, which means that the programs that they recommended weren't right, which means that they ended up costing a different price structure or costing more. So it's not, I have never heard of, I've never come across personally, agencies that have a business model where they say go in and then sell more um, on top of it. What they do is they they go in and then they discover that what they were briefed was wrong and that actually it's going to cost a lot more because the company didn't actually know what they needed in the first place. And so they weren't able to quote for that. So if you do it the other way and you go to them and you give an agency a budget and you say, this is the finite budget, what can you do with this? You're more likely to get a much more accurate proposal with very clear costings that you can tie people to. And that becomes much more powerful, especially when it's tied to outcomes. So you can actually start to measure, is this having the impact on the market that you want? So it all comes back to, again, strategy, planning, and appropriate budget setting before you start talking to the agency. Beautiful. The back, back to the agency challenge here. Um, I think we're going to wrap up on this question. Everyone... If you're an agency, no one wants to do a proposal, right? I mean, you may, or you want to do a proposal that lays out what you've agreed to do essentially with fairly high confidence of it being accepted, but not a, let's put a lot of work into writing this up and hope that we get picked out of the five that they're looking at. Yeah. Because a lot of work and it can turn into nothing. What's the best way to eliminate or simplify that process? Sure. I mean, and we can look at this from two perspectives again. From an agency perspective, you, you don't want to have to create a program and present it as part of the pitch because you're essentially giving your IP away. But it's not good for the companies either because anybody can say, this is what I want to do. You know, this is what we could do. And isn't this a great idea? But can they actually deliver on it? So first of all, I want to take a step back and say, never do a request for proposal. The RFP is dead because it always puts the focus on cost, not on capabilities. Whereas you want to be able to work with an agency based on their capabilities. So we've taken a model that are used by many governments now um, in their procurement processes called qualifications-based selection. And this is all about, is the partner that you're talking to actually qualified to deliver the services that you need? And the only way you can find that out is by finding out what they've done before, not what they might do in the future to solve your challenge. And this is similar to interviews. So I'm sure you've all come across now the behavioral um, questioning technique where they say if you're doing an interview for somebody to join your team, you don't ask them their view of something. You ask them what they've done before and to give a concrete example, because it's very clear when they're lying. You you can really tell straight away if somebody's telling the truth when they're telling a, a story in the context of what people said. And it's very much the same in an agency selection. What you need to do is find out what they have done before so that you know that they have the qualifications to do what you need them to do. And you can actually pin them down and say what outcomes came out of this. You know, I don't want to know about what tactics you're going to do. I want to know what outcomes you've got. And by focusing on what they've done in the past, you get that. It also removes a lot of the subjectivity from the agency selection process. So a lot of people buy agencies based on the people that sit in, their room, in the room with you. 
so you're buying on relationships. And actually, the people in the room are very unlikely to be the people delivering the programs that you've, you know, you've briefed them. So what you need to find out is what processes the agencies have in place, what proven methodologies they've used before, because that is essentially what you're buying. And the only way you can find that out is by finding out what they've done before, not what they're going to do in the future. So as an agency, if you're asked to um, present a, a program as part of the selection process, I strongly suggest you to push back and say that that's not going to help the company to choose the right agency. They need to know what you've done before and to focus it on case studies. And as a company, ask them for case studies on other companies they've worked for in your industry, similar challenges that they've addressed. So if somebody's got the same challenge from a separate industry, give us that case study. And then thirdly, a case study of a similar budget. So you can see what kind of outcomes they got on that budget. And that will give you a much more objective approach to be able to compare each agency and to be able to select the right agency for you. All that is fantastic. I really like um, everything we've covered here on, in this episode. So if you are an agency, you need to insist that companies come to you having done their homework, which includes a strategy, a budget, and a timeline for purchasing. If you're a company, you should stop sending out RFPs. You need to come up with a strategy, a budget, and a timeline. Um, exactly. And insist uh, and evaluate your agencies based on what they've done before um, and proven results, not just relationships and um, what they say they would do for you. Exactly. Exactly. Summed up very nicely. <laughs> I took good notes today. Uh, <laughs> Laura Brown, thank you again for being on this podcast. It's been a pleasure. And um, we will. Um, Again, is there something we should link to in the show notes, a yeah. guide for agencies? Yeah, absolutely. If you go to the website, um, covalentbonds.net, there's a load of resources there for agencies to help um, sort of push back on companies to educate them. Um, there's um, a link to a great video um, that was uh, produced by a guy out of Canada who's pushing for the qualifications-based selection uh, methodology. He's not talking about it in terms of marketing, but it's definitely something that we should um, all be pushing for uh, as an industry to go forward. So all of that's on the website. Fantastic. Well, thank you again very much. Not a problem. Well, thanks so much for having me again. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. There's some great advice from Laura. We work together on the program team for the ACPLS. And besides being a pleasure to work with, she really knows her stuff. So I recommend you connect with her somehow. As always, if you like this podcast, please tell two of your friends. They will thank you. And of course, I thank you very much. They will thank you because we have some very interesting guests and topics coming up. And if you'd like to leave a rating or review in iTunes, that is also very much appreciated. Until the next time, have a great couple weeks. Bye-bye.